Welcome to OCD Whisperer Podcast. This is your host, Christina Orlova. Here we will talk about all things OCD. For more information and to contact me with questions, you can go to www.coreresults.com. That's K-O-R-Results.com. Welcome to OCD Whisperer Show. Today I have Jonathan Schultz with me, and Jonathan has a doctorate degree in organizational leadership and a master's degree in educational counseling. He's actually an academic counselor at Bakersfield College, and his job is to make sure that students have what they need to meet their personal and academic goals. So Jonathan is somebody who was formally diagnosed with anxiety, depression, ADHD around 18 years old. And in around at around 2000, 2014, he got diagnosed with OCD. Um, Jonathan has had a couple of uh, mental breakdowns um, around his OCD experience and finally received ERP treatment um, at age of 32. And, you know, today, one of the things we will talk about is kind of that journey that Jonathan went through of getting diagnosed and, you know, getting to the right treatment. Um Jonathan, um, also he and his wife have written a book, which is awesome, and it's going to be published next year. And he's very active on Instagram and TikTok. Um, and I'll make sure to include those handles in the show notes so that you guys can follow. Um, and he has been married since 2012 and has three awesome children, seven, five, and three. So welcome to the show, Jonathan. Thank you, Christine, for having me. I'm really excited about this. Yeah, I'm I'm really glad I reached out to you. Um, I've been seeing your posts and it kind of caught my attention. And, you know, I, I love to have people on the show who have lived experience, yeah. um, you know, just talking a little bit more and continuing to spread the word and kind of relate to others. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So I think one of the things that we briefly kind of talked about and I would love to have you share with us is kind of your journey. Like, what was that beginning of that process? Because I think a lot of people probably will relate to, you know, getting wrong messages or not even being sure if it's OCD. Yeah. So maybe share with us kind of what, what that was like for you. Yeah, for sure. And that's actually one of the reasons why I like to be so active on social media is I, I think my story is it's somewhat unique, but the more I get into it, it's, it's a little more common than I think people realize. Um, so the, the formal diagnosis came for the OCD diagnosis um, about th- uh, 13 years ago when I was around 21. Um, I had a really, I was in college, I was about ready to graduate with my bachelor's degree. I had previously been diagnosed with um, anxiety and ADHD. Interestingly enough, because I played sports in college and um, I was missing balls in the outfield because I couldn't see them. So we went through all kinds of tests to see if I had vision problems or a tumor. And it turned out I was just getting anxious and my focus was changing. So that was the initial anxiety. After a breakdown, um, I, I was diagnosed with OCD, but I went to a therapist or a psychologist that did not know how to treat it. Um, never spoke about ERP, um, never did. He didn't even know, never mentioned what exposures were or anything. So I did kind of the traditional CBT therapy for a while. I don't know. It helped a little bit. I was given some medication, which was more helpful because I wasn't getting the right therapy. But then the big kind of, and and if I really trace it back, I mean, I had my first OCD cycle at the age of seven. So I I can remember my first spin when I was seven. So really I've had it my whole life, but this is, you know, the diagnosed piece that's a little more interesting. I had a, I was 32 years old. um, So I went 10, 12 years without therapy because I mean, I wasn't getting what I needed. Um, I was, I was ending my doctoral program and I really started hitting 
that classical OCD cycle, didn't really know how to help myself by any means. Um, on the way home from a vacation, I just had a horrible, finally everything came to a head. I finally admitted to my wife what was going on, all the different thoughts. Um, definitely suicidal at that point. And the, the, so, you know, after we got home from the vacation, we made some phone calls. I went back to the initial therapist that diagnosed me 13 years ago. And I actually had two books with me. I had brain lock by Jeffrey Schwartz mm -hmm. and, um, uh, one other one, I can't remember. And I walked in and I said, um, you know, I'm, I'm back. <laughs> nice. How, nice seeing you again, you know, and he kind of laughed and he said, you know, I said, I have my OCs flaring up and he showed me a video and I was like, I, I know I've seen this video before. Well, he showed me the same video that he showed me 13 years ago when he diagnosed me. And I was like, and, and it was a VHS video. I mean, we're in 2022, like VHS video, you know, <laughs> and the video said, this is true. We now know Paxil can treat OCD. And I was like, now no, like it was back in like the eighties. And so I said, well, what can I do? Here's a book. Like I want to do something, I, I, you know, what can I do? And he said, you can read all the books you want, but all we can do is really give you more medication to help OCD. Mm. I was like, frick, like, really? Are you sure? Cause this book. And he said, no, like that's, that's all we can do is just prescribe more meds. So I left very defeated. Um, the next day I had a appointment with a psychiatrist to get medication and or more medication. And he's taking notes and he said, you know, are you going to ERP? I'm like, that's ERP. Like that's in a book, but like, I was told that doesn't work, you know? And he said, no, like if you have OCD, like you need to go get ERP. Like, are you serious? I was just told yesterday that you need more medication. He said, no, like go to ERP. I said, well, where do I go for this? And I live in a small little farm town in, in California. So um, he said, I don't know, like we don't have anybody close by that can do this. But I just had a client who went to a place in LA called OCD LA. And I hope I can say that. If not, you can. Of bleep, course. Yeah, oh, you yeah. Can, this podcast, we share all sorts yeah. of resources. Yeah, they're awesome. I mean, they're, they're, they're awesome. So yeah, I'm, and I'm still going there. Um, and so I, I luckily, the psychiatrist was the opposite. He was like, we could do more meds, but you need the behavioral component. Like, that's what you have to do. I'm like, oh my gosh, like, this is great. So as I hung up with him, because it was virtual, you know, COVID season, I called OCDLA. Um, ironically, they called me back about 20 minutes later. It was definitely a godsend. And I got hooked up with my, my current therapist, Chris, and we started the, the ERP journey. And, um, you know, if, if I had not gotten that second opinion from the psychiatrist, I don't know where I'd be. Right now. I wouldn't be working. Um, might not even be alive. I really don't know, but I absolutely would not be working because I had to take some time off work for a little while, um, to take care of this. So, um, it was, it was interesting and, and, uh, it was scary. It was frustrating. And then, as things calmed down, um, I asked my therapist how I could get involved in the community. I don't really want to go back and go to more school, but, um, and he mentioned advocacy and I said, I like to talk. So let's post my store on Instagram and TikTok. And here we are. So oh, that's awesome. So that's, <laughs> yeah. I was curious how you got started yeah. in, on the uh -huh. social media. So that's, that's great. I mean, you said so many things <laughs> in terms of like, I think people on average, learn and know that it really does take, you know, literature says anywhere from, you know, seven to 14 years to really get a proper diagnosis, because I think exactly right. There's so many things that are happening internally that we kind of still don't fully um, know or are aware of. And so yeah. we, we kind of don't connect those dots like, Oh, this might be OCD. Um, I mean, I literally have had the same experience where, you know, for the longest time didn't yeah. know it. Um, yeah. and, and I think the other piece that you're mentioning that, yeah, like once you do get it, not unfortunately every professional is 
kind of trained or up to date. And so sometimes you may actually get wrong information, right? Or somebody might say, yeah, go get CBT, but CBT, just basic traditional CBT, there's parts of that that are actually not right for OCD, um, right? Like, I think people hear about things like, you know, looking evidence for or against a thought, for example, yeah, or, like that's yeah. only going to perpetuate your mental analysis, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. Or like the rubber band, you know, to stop thoughts, like, wait a minute, these are all things that literally do not work for OCD brain. They might work in, and they do for other anxiety disorders, but not yeah, OCD. No, they hurt. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they do. They actually perpetuate more compulsions. <laughs> mm-hmm. For sure. Um, so since you're somebody who's had ERP training for anybody listening who doesn't know what that is, that's exposure response prevention. It is a behavioral um, aspect of cognitive behavioral therapy. Um, Can you tell us a little bit of kind of what about it has helped you and, you know, why do you think that it is important? Yeah. So um, for, for me, and I'm assuming the audience, I know I've listened to a lot of your stuff, so there's a, there's probably a decent understanding, but ERP is, you know, the foundational, I mean, that is what you need to do when you have OCD and it's, you know, exposure response prevention you expose yourself to the stimulus that that scares you but you do response prevention or you prevent yourself from doing the rituals so for me the first thing that was really eye-opening going through and my therapist was phenomenal on how he laid it out and i'll give him a shout out chris concata from um, ocdla i know he can't confirm or deny that he knows me but um I, I, he's he's literally saved my life um and i said that in the book but um what I learned at the beginning was there was a lot of things that myself and my wife thought we were doing to help that was really reinforcing the irrational thought, right? So going to my wife for reassurance, um, compulsively praying over and over, researching things online, everything that I thought was information seeking, even positive self-talk, right? You hear all the time, like, give yourself positive self-talk. And now I'm like, I'm doing the opposite. I'm giving myself negative self-talk or or no self-talk um, because, I found out very quickly that those were not only not helpful, they were detrimental because they were reinforcing whatever my irrational thought, my image, my feeling was. So initially going through the process, it was very much learning like, oh man, like you mean I shouldn't go to my wife and ask her every day if she loves me in a compulsive way. I shouldn't ask my kids if they think I'm a good father. Um, So it was really that first information getting like, it was very eye opening, and then understanding why, like it didn't make sense at first and my wife didn't understand it either, but it was like, Oh, you know, this is a biological, almost evolutionary thing. We see a lion, we get scared, we run. And then if the lion comes back, we get scared again. Well, we hear a thought the the running is, is what's reinforcing the line is scary. Well, the re the reassurance is reinforcing the thought scary. So whenever that thought comes back, of course, anxiety is going to happen. It's, it's biological. It's literally what was supposed to happen in a normal situation. Our brain is just taking it down the path. So, um, understanding how to not do the, or, or, or limit the, the compulsions was really interesting and, and very educational, but then the exposure piece was really cool and it sucks, but it's really cool because some of the books I've read didn't emphasize an exposure just to give a, you know, more example. And I'm assuming you've covered it, so I don't want to kill it, but, um, you go towards the thing that you initially were avoiding the thought, the stimulus, the situation, Instead of avoiding that Facebook post, you go back and reread it and you don't Google the the answer to it. So, you know, I had never really seen what the exposure piece was. And I remember my therapist saying, this is going to be one of the most helpful parts of that as long as you can do response prevention. Um, You know, 
it's going to be hard at times, but it's going to be necessary. And I've really seen the benefit in that both for my OCD, but also for my personal life as well, too. Wow. That's yeah. A lot of stuff you cover there too. Um, and yeah, I mean, I, I think that's exactly right. You're hitting on an important element where, you know, a lot of people kind of get nervous when they hear the words exposure response prevention and, mm-hmm. and they kind of, I think sometimes have this kind of myth or bias thinking of like, Oh my gosh, I'm going to like dive off the deep end, like right into my scariest stuff. And what yeah, no. you, want, you want me to do what and entertain what, um, can you speak a little bit about that? Like what that process was? Yeah. So the way my therapist approached it, and if you read some of the books, there's a few different kind of approaches out there for the exposures. And I like what my therapist did, which is kind of the traditional hierarchy ladder or or menu. And what that is, is you take your top 10, usually issues that bother you in this, in the order of, you know, 10 is a panic attack. You want to, you can't deal with this thought. One is, is somewhat manageable and you basically are working your way up. Um, that's what I did. And um, what I noticed, and I remember him saying, you're never really going to go above a six or seven. That was kind of the, the approach. And then it changed as we went. We actually, because I kind of looked at it a little differently um, towards the end. Um, but at the beginning, it was nice because one, you don't approach something so scary that you, the only way to, to help yourself deal with is compulsions. I mean, it's kind of like throwing someone in the deep end that can't swim. You got to learn how to swim first. So what we did at the, especially at the beginning is we would take a, a theme that was scary, but not too scary and approach that, you know, if I was nervous about holding my kids, which was tough for a while, um, you know, I would maybe get closer to them and put them on my lap and then I'd pick them up and walk with them and, you know, and kind of work your way up towards the stimulus and what that did for me and what it does for others usually is the tens become eights, the eights become sevens, the sevens become sixes. So you never really go to that six or that seven because they come down to you. You don't necessarily go up to them. They, they come down to you because you are learning the biology part of it. You're learning kind of the irrationality of the thought, not in a reinforcing way, but just, you know, in a new thought pattern. Um, and, and we went up the hierarchy that way. And I still, I still do exposures almost every day. Um, Awesome. Yeah. And and yeah. And I think part of what you're hitting on now too, is, is I think that once you do have, once you've had that training with ERP or ERP and act aspects, Mm -hmm. um, you know, but once you kind of put that together, it's kind of like saying, Hey, as a lifestyle now, I'm going to be really kind of taking this on. So, right. Like how you make decisions now, I'm assuming probably is going to be a little different because now you're like, Oh yeah, this is a thing I feel the you know, natural urge to avoid, but actually I know I'm going to, I'm going to go for it because it's yeah. good for me. So, so you start to make decisions differently. And so it becomes like an organic, natural yeah. kind of change. I, I've even embedded that in my parenting. Um, my son's a lot like me. He's the seven-year-old and um, he's got my anxiety. He's got my issues. And so we put him into jujitsu to, cause that's a scary thing for people with anxiety. You got to be wrestling and I'll tell them, like, look, sometimes son, life's going to be hard. You're just going to have to go through it. You know, you can't go around it. You got to go through it. So, yeah, it's it's really infiltrated even my parents. So that's actually really beautiful <laughs> and cool to hear. Yeah. Now, um, I want to circle back to something you mentioned about. You guys wrote a book and in the book. So we haven't even touched on that. Can you tell us a little bit about what the book is about? Uh, like what when do you have any idea for next year when people could look for it? So we actually have two. One is published right now. One is coming out um, next year. What happened was the day, June 6th, when I had my really bad breakdown and I wanted to kill myself and it was just terrible. My wife looked at me and she said, "Uh, how can I help you? I said, I don't know. Like, I can't even help myself. So um, 
you know, we had the the appointment with the psychologist the next day and still didn't get any help. And we were like, you know, we want to help people once I'm, I'm level. And, um, cause this was just, you know, a very debilitating disorder. So, um, I, uh, so after that happened and then we finally got the help, we were like, you know, we need to do this to, so the book was initially going to be called, how can I help you? But then now it's the one published is called obsessed, a couple story, um, dealing with obsessive compulsive disorder. And, and what I think, and there's a lot of good books out there. I mean, so it's not like ours is better than, than others, but I think what sets it apart and what, what we do is we, we don't hit our story. We don't hit ERP. We don't hit, we, we try to hit everything as, as little as we can, but with enough to make a difference. So we tell our story to help people see what it's like having with it, having it and, and living with it, uh, you know, to kind of see both sides. And then I try to explain what I did because I think there's a difference sometimes when you read books from people that have been through it and people that just research it. You know, um, one reason I love Jonathan Hirschfield books over others is he's, you know, he has it and he's pra- he's a practitioner, right? So his are a little more relatable. So ours is only relatable. So we talk about what happened, um, what, what I had to do, the ERP method that we followed. I have a little bit of a different approach to exposures. So I kind of, I have a little, a little piece on there that I do. And then we, as we were going through and all these questions we had, we literally wrote down questions that I asked my therapist and then we just took the answers and we put them in a book. So it's basically like, this is what we went through. How do you deal with the breakdown? How do you deal with the thoughts that I have bipolar? How do you deal with, you know, I think I'm schizophrenic. Um, and we just answer those questions in the book as well. So it's about 111 pages um, is the one that's published. And then the second one that we're working on now, ironically, the best feedback we got was about my wife's portion of the book, which is the shortest portion of the book. So it kind of ticked me off a little bit, but uh, but she's phenomenal. So, that was, but, but people were very interested in like that side, like how do you support someone that has OCD? And then as we were looking through, there's only one or maybe two books out there um, that I've seen, there's one called living with OCD or loving someone with OCD. There's not a lot there. So this is totally from her perspective, um, how to self care for her, what she should do, what to not do. And it's, it's really for anybody that is supporting or loving someone with OCD. Um, I, I help her, I'm helping her write it just as, cause I like to write, but this is her book. Um, I don't know the title of that. That'll be out. I think, um, probably next June, I think we're almost done with it, but we're, we're cleaning up a few things. Um, and I think that's going to be the best one that we have, but we really just want to help. I'm not trying to make money. Um, you know, we, we explain things in a way that, uh, I think are easy to read my dissertation. My chair off often said, uh, I write like I talk, which isn't good for a dissertation, but it's good for, I think for, for, for yeah. books that you're trying to help others with. Right. So, um, I think our writing style is easy to read, but then, um, we don't have a lot of fluff. We cut out all the fluff as well. That's awesome. And I mean, I, I agree. I think in general, you know, people, who are dealing with this and, and really, you know, take a brave step towards, you know, putting themselves out there. I mean, I think that's, that's the goal, right? It's, it's, I'm yeah. literally trying to help because I've gone through something like this, right. And I'm, and I'm trying to put something out there that other people can relate to, that it's easy, it's understandable, right. That they can yeah. actually see, like, like you said, in the very beginning and I kind of smile because I'm like, right. Oftentimes when you're starting, you think, oh my gosh, this is so unique. Somehow this yeah. is, I'm so different. This is so I'm special. Yeah. Right. And then, yeah, you get into it and you're like, oh my God, like, 
this is so common. This is <laughs> yeah. like, wait a minute. Yeah. So many people have this. Yeah. Um, yeah. And then yeah, you realize, sure. wow, okay. I am not unique in that way. Like no. this is, <laughs> this is written about in so many places. It's just, you <laughs> yeah. know, when you don't know about it, you feel isolated and then you find yeah. out and you're like, whoa. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah I think that's awesome. Um, one last question before, uh, before we end. So now that you've had this, you know, therapy that sounds like, you know, you're still continuing that, which is great. Um, can you tell us a little bit kind of generally, like what's your kind of overall well-being kind of plan or, or what do you do? Right. Because I think oftentimes people and a lot of discussions are around, you know, medication and behavioral therapy or just behavioral therapy or a combo of two. But I think sometimes people forget, like, you know, you're a whole person, like there's, yeah. there's more to us than just those two aspects. So what else can you do or do you do for overall well-being and health? So I think personally, we will see in the, and I think you'll see more than me because you're a practitioner, obviously, that soon part of therapy um, protocols are going to have more physical and nutritional guidelines. I really do think we're seeing that in other medical fields. You know, people come at blood pressure now and it's not just medication. It's also, so I've, I've really noticed with me, I try to eat clean, meaning anything that, that our ancestors could have eaten. I try to eat that. Um, I don't drink alcohol anymore. I used to drink way too much alcohol. Um, I, I am on medication for, for, um, my OCD. I, um, I've been on that since I was 19, but, um, which I think obviously there's a part for that. But for me, when you're looking at that, it's the eating is important. I definitely try to work out physically something, um, just, you know, way to run at least five to six times a week. Um, and, and if I don't do those things, I definitely see my, my, anxiety go up. Um, I also am very focused on sleep. I've really gotten into, there's a great podcast, um, a guy named Andrew Huberman. I'm not trying to pitch another podcast, but, um, Andrew Huberman's great. He's a neuroscientist, neurobiologist at Stanford, and he's talking about the importance of sleep. So I've really like, I could go into my sleep for 20 minutes on what I do, you know, with nose plugs and things to help me sleep better. So sleep is big. I'm on a schedule for my sleep very obsessively without using a, <laughs> no pun, pun intended, maybe. Um, and then I've also gotten into a few other physical workout things, you know, like there's a lot of research Huberman says about like taking cold ice baths or showers within your physical limitations, um, even something like a home sauna, things like that. Mm -hmm. So I've really, and then I have a reminder every day on my phone um, that reminds me I have OCD or, or reminds me about doing an exposure. So I also am trying not to run away from, you know, the, 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 the OCD, right? I think sometimes what gets people with OCD is one, we forget about the nutrition, the working out, the staying active. That is super important. I 100% think that's going to be a new protocol in our, like, I think our therapy is going to be, or your therapy mm. will be like ERP response, response prevention, exposures, triggers, boom, boom, boom. What's your eating? What's your working out? Maybe you do that already as yourself, but I think that'll be in the literature. Um, but then I also think what gets me too is you have a few bad days or a few great days and you forget you have OCD and all of a sudden you remember, right? Mm -hmm. I remind myself every day I have OCD. I, I post, I try to post every day to remind myself I have OCD. So I'm not running away from my thoughts or avoiding things. So every day at about, I think I just got an alert about 10 and two, I get an alert that either has a topic or it says exposure or it says you have OCD. Um, you know, here at work, actually, I have little reminders about my OCD on top of my computer. And I'm really trying to just immerse that to where it's it's part of me. And then what I've noticed is it's, it gets easier to deal with. But I still have bad days. I mean, I, I do. And 
I'll, I'll, I post that on social media too, to make people feel good. Um, but I think there's that holistic approach. And also I should say, taking it to the end where you don't just stop therapy when you feel good. I'm still going, um, just to make sure I'm good. And I'm still doing exposures every day in some capacity, even if it's a simple reminder, because I think that we often with OCD, we want things to be over with right away because we, we're scared we're nervous. There's that doom. I still want it to go away right away if I'm being honest. Um, but, but I think now I can see big picture, you know? So again, yeah, I mean, physical nutrition. Um, also if you're religious for me, I'm very, um, I I made sure to connect with my pastor. We're we're writing a book on mental health as well because we think there's a a need in that field. Um, so, you know, really a holistic approach. I, I think for everybody listening that especially has OCD, ERP is the best way to do it, but that is the foundation of the building. You still need to put up the walls and look at other things. And all of those, in my opinion, is is what I mentioned before. Yeah, I love that. That's a great overview. And um, I also do love that podcast, the Huberman Lab. Um, it's a great podcast. Yeah, he's wonderful. Um, but I think, yeah, you're hitting on a lot of different points. And it's exactly right. I mean, as someone who's, you know, both a specialist in this treatment and I have OCD myself, like mm-hmm. I can say like, yeah, yeah, I still have really rough days and there's yeah. still moments where you get triggers and just, uh, right. Yeah. But it's just when you know these tools and like you said, when you really embrace and immerse yourself into all of this and, and make these lifestyle changes, absolutely. It, it has that long-term benefit. So you can really short circuit that cycle and don't let yourself spin out for hours and days on end. Yeah. Um, sure. And, um, yeah, we're talking a lot about ARP, but I'm going to just put a plug in, you know, there's also acceptance commitment therapy. There's also inference based CBT specifically for OCD. So at this point, um, I, you know, there's, there's more options. Um, and, and I think you're exactly right. There's definitely more and more of discussions around nutrition, overall physical health and well-being, the importance of movement, daily movement, um, the importance of getting sleep. Um, getting quality sleep, um, like you said, nutrition, meaning that, you know, nutrient rich, nutrient dense food, not just, you know, very sugary or processed because that does actually impact our bodies and, and such. Sure. So, um, yeah, thank you so much, Jonathan, for your time. Um, and if people want to find you, how can they find you? The best way probably I would say is social media. My handles are OCD strong. So OCD underscore strong for um, Instagram and TikTok. Um, anybody can email me from those platforms as well. Again, I'm not a therapist. I don't give advice on that, but I, I put myself out there pretty much two or three times a day on what I'm going through. Um, so yeah, look, look up there and, um, then there's a link to my website, mentalhealthstruggles.com, um, that I have a few other kind of cool things on there, but the social media is probably the best. Beautiful. Thank you so much for your time. Thank you so much. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for listening to OCD Whisperer podcast. If you have any questions you want me to answer in future podcasts or any other comments, you can go to coreresults.com backslash contact backslash. That's coreresults, K-O-R-R-E-S-U-L-T-S dot com backslash contact.